fantastic. Hey, everybody. I wasn't planning to start this way, but I think we're going to start this way. I want to just take a moment, think of a couple things you are thankful for. Okay, we're going to give you a moment. Let's just think of a couple things we're really thankful for. Um, this we are going in the season of Thanksgiving. I think it's a good way to just kind of jump into this. Um, I'm going to give you a moment. You could write it down, stick it in your in your phone. Just think, just have it in your mind. But let's just take a moment. And then I'm going to say a prayer and thank God for those things. We're in no hurry here. What's your hurry? Let's just take a moment. Lord, thank you for your goodness, for your love. Lord, I thank you for, for family. Lord, I thank you for the friends you put around me. I thank you for the church here. Lord, the way that you show up in my life and, and meet um, the needs sometimes I don't even know I have. Lord, I thank you that you, even in uh, my uh, weakness and <clears throat> many inabilities, Lord, you use me um, to touch people's lives. Um, you choose to work through me and everybody here. Lord, we are thankful for the way that you show up in our lives. Lord, we're thankful for um, your goodness. We're thankful for, for family in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. What's your hurry? Um, in Atlanta, if you need convincing that we are a people who are hurried, then all you have to do and, and everybody will give me a big amen. All you have to do is drive on 75. Pretty much any time of the day, almost any day of the week except Sundays. Sunday's the only day. Sunday morning's the only day you can drive. That's a little sad, isn't it? I didn't even think of the implications of that, that there's not enough people going to church. Okay, we got work to do, people. We got work to do. Sunday's the only day you can drive on 75 and not get backed up. What's wrong with that? Um, but I was thinking about this, and now I want you to raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand if you have experienced a person like this. Now, I'm not saying it's you. Raise your hand if you've experienced a person like this, that, okay, you're on 75. The traffic is, traffic's a little backed up, right? And really all the lanes are moving at the same pace, but there's one person, or a lot of people, who always think the next lane is going to be better, right? Okay, raise your hand if you experience somebody who, like, within a mile changes lanes like 15 times and end up in the same spot. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay. Now, if that's you, keep your hand up. Don't put it down. All right, it's me. All right, that's me. It happens. I am, I, I am known to, to change lanes a few times. My wife is amening that over there. It does happen. Um, what about the guy, now this is not me. What about the guy, and I say guy because that's usually what it is. Um, what about the guy who, where traffic is moving, but it's not like at a good clip, and they're like right up on the, your rear, and then phew, over up to the next person's bumper, phew, over up to, you see those people? Don't you want to, no, I'm, I won't go on. Yes, but you do, you do. What, what is our hurry? 
That literally, that saves, that neither of those things actually create time, right? They just create incredible stress. Um, if your, your life is like mine, you do not need convincing um, that we are busy, in general, hurried people. Um, when you, you know, if you're in college, you've got exams, you've got meetings, you've got all kinds of things happening. If you're, if you're a yo pro, you know, you're, you're working, you're balancing all kinds of stuff. Family, there is no time, no season in this country where you're not hurried and rushed and feel stress and pressure. There, there is no season that, unless you're like eight years old, then, then you're just, you, you know, you're just cruising, and, as they should be. Um, but you don't need convincing that we need to slow down, do you? Anybody here say, ah, I don't need to slow down. My pace is just right. Almost nobody's going to raise their hand. Yeah, we got one. Come on, I love it. Yes, help us, disciple us, because um, we need it. But the truth is, is most everybody needs to slow down. And that's why I love what we're doing here. We're talking about, um, you know, hey, what's the deal with all this hurriedness? What's the deal with us, you know, putting value on this? And, but what we do need, and again, that's why I love what we're talking about in this series. What we need to know, we don't need to know that we need to slow down, but we need to know why we need to slow down, and we need to create some value around that. We don't change unless we value something. We don't actually start putting effort and energy and focus on something unless there is some value to it. We see that it will benefit us. That is just how we are. If we don't see that it's going to help us, we don't value it, we don't change. Um, and so that's what this series is about, is saying, hey, Pointing out the obvious, yes, we are all in a hurry, but we have to go beyond that. Why do we need to slow down? And so that's what we've been talking about. When I was praying about this, um, I was trying myself to kind of tap on the brakes a little, take a deep breath, personally slow down, because the last few weeks have been a little crazy in our household. It, these things happen. Um, and that's okay. You can have seasons that are, that are a little wild. But you have to realize when that's happening and they go, whoa, easy. I need to put some margin, slow down, tap the brakes, take a deep breath. And when I was thinking about this and praying about it, God gave me a, kind of an, an image. Um, and for actually two, two kind of just scenes. So close your eyes with me. And I want you to put yourself into this scene. Take a deep breath and slow yourself down. And what he gave me was this beautiful forest, the, the light shining through. The, the leaves have in, in North Carolina have just changed colors. And you're slowly, with long, deep breaths, walking through the forest. You can hear the, the leaves crumbling and the twigs breaking and the, you know, the birds chirping. And you're just taking a moment. And the Lord is saying, what's your hurry? Why are we hurried? The, the one that spoke to me the most, because this is me, was it gave me another image. of, And it brought me back to kind of um, right after I got um, saved. And I would go to the, go to the cliffs at the beach in, in Southern California. And 
get up early in the morning and get down there and just walk along the cliffs while you listen to the ocean and the waves kind of crashing and you hear just the different sounds of, of the ocean. And that, there was, there's peace in that and there's, there's rest there. But you didn't actually have to go there to experience that. We can, we can slow down. It's good, to, it's good to go and experience that, find a forest. We can do that around here. There's lots of forests. But we can stop and take a deep breath and just close our eyes and allow God to take us to a place that will bring rest and peace to our soul and we can fellowship with him and, and connect. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite kind of psalms. Um, it's David. It, it, some of David's psalms, sometimes he's, he's, you know, kind of complaining to God. And that's okay. We could do that. We could be real with God. This one is where he's kind of saying thank you, God, and talking to God about how good he is. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He's my shepherd. I lack nothing. And no matter what our, our circumstances are, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how crazy it is, we can, we can recite this and believe it and know it's true that maybe we have need. Maybe financially you're not, you know, running on all cylinders right now, or there's, there's, there's a sickness in your family, or there's other needs. But you can still say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing because in him I lack nothing. I can rest, have peace, even in the midst of, of craziness. There's peace that surpasses our circumstances. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's in him that our soul is refreshed. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, so that he be glorified. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our heart's cry. That's what we, we, we desire and have access to at any moment. Because the, the God who created all things, he lives and dwells inside of us. He has made us his temple. We can take a moment and connect to that source who refreshes our soul, who leads us and guides us, where he can create a moment where our cup will overflow, that there is goodness and kindness to be found. Last week, Andy talked about having rest for our weary soul. And, and I, I started with this and really just kind of touching on the same thing because this is the foundation of, of learning how to stop 
the hurriedness, stop the, the craziness in our life. This is where it starts. It's a connection with Jesus. It's, it's a, a, you know, to learn how to take moments, regular moments, create rhythms in your life where you take a moment and you allow God to fill you and so that your cup will be overflowing. The other picture is, of, uh, is rivers of living water flowing out of us. But this is where it starts. In our personal relationship with Jesus, we have to make room for it. We have to build those quiet moments, those connections with our Father. That is the starting place. Um, I think it was Piper who first said this, John Piper. Um, he said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I love that. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that could almost sound wrong because it's maybe it sounds a little too much about, about us and, and self-absorbed. But think about this. That, that when we are connecting with God because he's created us for relationship, he's created us to know him and to be known. He's created us to, to know each other and to be known by each other. That is where we are most satisfied. That's where, where we find rest and peace and purpose and, you know, the, the stuff, the good stuff of life. And so when we are connected to Jesus and most satisfied and filled up, how are we going to represent God the best? In that state, we are going to glorify God more in our life if we are filled with his presence, if we are connecting with him, you know, taking those moments. If he is, his cup literally is over, well, figuratively, but his spirit is coming out of us and impacting those around us. Where our relationships are strong, where we're known by one another, that is where Christ is most glorified in our lives. Hurriedness, stress, pressure, anxiety, they all rob our soul. They deteriorate our relationships. It creates a distance. It can lead to disconnect, a disconnection between us. It can lead to a lack or insecurity. Hurriedness in our life leads to disconnectedness, both with Jesus and with one another. We, we have more going on than ever before, right? More meetings, more events, more gatherings, more, you know, connections and likes and, you know, posts than ever before. We, we have thousands of friends But we are, are in a, a, a culture that values those surface-level relationships more than, it, than being truly known. And this is creating more loneliness, more depression, more stress, more disconnectedness than ever before. And I don't just say that, you know, this is, this is what professionals, this is what what um, those who study these things are saying. That statistically, when they do the research, 
We are more disconnected than we've ever been, even though we have more access to be connected because we are so busy and we're not living in the moments. When we ask somebody, how's your day? What's your response? How, how are, how's things, you say good, how's things going? What's been happening with you? You'll say good, right? But what's the next, basically the next thing you say? Well, we've been pretty busy. Just yesterday, I was helping somebody move and Josh, who's on security right now, comes up and he's like, dude, how's things been going? How's the last couple of weeks been? And honestly, they've been busy. I've been preparing for this message and we've had things going on. And my response was, yeah, things, things have been, been good. I mean, we're doing well, but it's really been busy these last few, few weeks. I'm like, I just said that. <laughs> like it came right out of my mouth. And then his response was, yeah, I've been traveling. I've been here and here and here. It's been, it's been a crazy season. Fair enough, it has been. But it's like we value busyness. What? Why does our culture place value on busyness? Why do you have to, even if you're not busy, you're going to say you're busy. We want to appear to be busy. Why? Because if you're not busy, people will think you're, exactly, exactly. People are going to think you're lazy. That's at least what we think. If we're, we don't appear to be busy, then, then we think people are going to think we're lazy. It's like rest is a sin. What? We've got it backwards. We've got it wrong. Life is not about being busy. Life is about relationships. It's about connecting. It's about, you know, what we together create through connectedness. And you can't do that if you're you're over busyness, hurriedness, perpetual busyness leads to disconnectedness. Have you ever heard this one? Haste makes waste, right? We are in a nation that values busyness. We're speed freaks. We're scheduled to the max. We rush around often because we've got so many things going on. We're, dis we're distracted. Have you ever Again, back into traffic, I don't know, it's, maybe it's me. I think I've got a problem. I definitely have a problem. Somebody's on their phone texting, they're driving, and they start swerving into your lane, and then back. And then, that didn't fix it. They text again, and they swerve in the, for miles. You're like, okay, that's just me. Yes, I have a problem. We have an obsession with productivity. But is that helping us? Is that actually leading to future productivity? Is it worth it? A cardiologist, or two of them, Meyer Friedman and Ray Rosenman, coined this term, and I love this, um, and, and if you Google, you, you get a whole bunch of stuff on it, called hurry sickness. Coined a term called hurry sickness, and I put a couple definitions up. Um, one was a behavior, and ask yourself, is this me? A behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Here's another one. A, mala a malaise in which a person feels chronically short on time, 
and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered and encountering any kind of delay, when encountering any kind of delay. Okay, yeah. Okay, I got one more. I didn't actually put it up here, but this one you'll definitely. Yeah, I know. A continuous struggle and unmitting un attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. More and more events in less and less time. All this time saving is killing us faster. All this time saving is, is causing us to be sick. It's, it's called hurry sickness. And these cardiologists coined this because they kept seeing people come in who were so hurried that it was causing them to be sick. The stress, the, 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 the perpetual stress, the anxiousness was, was causing them to have heart problems. All this hurrying around is killing us fast. We need to slow down. Truth is, is that our hurried lives keep us from really connecting with one another. And it's our connections with one another that really gives us life. We need to connect with Jesus, obviously, number one. But, but God created us to be in relationship with one another. And I think during this time, going into Thanksgiving, this is important. Because with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Black Friday really started, if, it, if you'd missed it, You've missed it. But Black Friday really started a couple days ago, if you didn't know. I mean, the sales are already out there. Here's the thing. Yes, grab a couple good sales. I mean, I'm a guy for a good sale. Um, grab, grab, grab a couple good sales. But don't get so focused on what's happening on Amazon's hourly updated sale that you're missing the relationships that are right around you. Have you ever, ever been to a restaurant where, and, and look, we all pick up our phone occasionally, but where, you, where there's a couple sitting across from each other and all they've done all night is look at their phone. Or you, you, you come into a, a place and there's a big group sitting around of young people and they're all texting somebody else who's not there at the table. What are we missing? Or they're texting each other at the table. <laughs> That's something really wrong with that. We're not, we're not embracing the moments that we have that are so important to, to give us that quality of life that we look for. There was a recent study in, um, well, there was an old, older study from Harvard and then a recent follow-up from UCLA. Um, on how th this phenomenon in our society is causing us to feel more alone and empty than ever before. So the study was on loneliness. And it said that 54% of those they, they you know, surveyed, and it was a, a massive study, 54% responded and said that they feel like no one actually knows them well. That 56% of people said um, that they often feel lonely. 
40% said they lack meaningful relationship and companionship. And the study went on to look at some of the health, health risks of these and how this can, can affect us. And it, and it you know, gave all kinds of stats, but it was saying one of them is that it's as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, this, this feeling of loneliness, of, of not having that connectedness. And we can see this, obviously, in babies. If they're not loved, if they're not connected, they don't thrive. But we're no different. We need deep relationships. We need to connect with one another. We have to value this, put away our phones, put away all the distractions, and, and embrace the moments where we're together. And so this Thanksgiving, when you're driving in the car, you go home, or you take moments that are, that, that are significant, that are meaningful, and that will add to this deepness of, of connection. In scripture, we see examples of this throughout, throughout where God puts into the rhythm of the, the, his people's lives moments of connectedness. Um, and so here's, here's an example. I got a few examples. One, obviously, is the Sabbath. One day, every week, everything pretty much shuts down and stops. What is that time for? It's for rest. It's for worship, and it's for relationship. It's so that we would connect with God and with one another. Feasts and festivals, over and over again, throughout the year, they would gather together for these big feasts and these big festivals, sometimes lasting multiple days. They'd come together as a people to remember, to give thanksgiving, to celebrate, to rejoice. There's something about coming together and rejoicing together, giving thanks. There was the Sabbath year. Literally, every seven years, they would rest essentially for a year, calling it the Sabbath year. Okay, yes. Um, where they would still work, they would still do, they would still be active. It wasn't like they just sat at home and did nothing but they wouldn't work the field except to just maintain it so that it didn't go bad, but it would, they, they would just do enough to keep it where, it where it wouldn't produce fully. And then what would happen after that? What, what do you think would happen the next year? It produced way more than it did the first six years before that. So often Jesus would take time out to rest when he was doing ministry, that he would remove himself from the group and go and pray. He would remove him and the disciples from a group and hang out, have a meal, talk, you know, and, and, and grow closer. You see the closeness of, and, and the love for the, those, for his disciples and those he would walk with. It wasn't surface level. He went deep. He was vulnerable. It's something in our society that we are challenged with because we, you know, filter all our Facebook posts and create this, you know, persona or this, this image of ourself that is, is supposed to, you know, almost be like perfect or magical. And, and because we do that, we don't want to go, we don't want to be authentic and real and let people see our weaknesses. 
We all have them. You know, let's just, let's just put them out there and embrace one another and feel like we're really known and accepted and loved. I want to end with a scene from John 13. This is Jesus in his final days. He's, he, he just came in on the donkey, and they're preparing for the Passover meal. So this was a feast. They come back to Jerusalem. Um, and he and his dis- the disciples are in this room, and they, they've got a meal together, and they're, they're about to eat. He says, the evening meal, verse 2, was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 4, I think I've got up there. So he got up from the meal, he took off his clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. This is Jesus. So the scene is there, there's the disciples. They just had this beautiful meal together. He's preparing for his final moments. And in his final moments, he takes off his, his, I guess for us it would be, take off your jacket, roll up your sleeves. You know, can you imagine Jesus getting up from this table and beginning to take off his outer clothing? What would they be thinking? Like, what is going, what is, what is he doing? What is going on? And then it says, he, he, he grabs um, in verse 5, after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I was thinking about this. When he began to fill up that basin, you're one of the disciples sitting at that table. I mean, you'd be like, no. I mean, you're God. What are you doing? Why are you taking off your clothes? Why are you filling up that basin? And then he begins washing their feet. This is a moment of intimacy. This is a moment of connectedness. This is, this is Jesus saying, I love you. And I would do anything for you. I'm about to do the most crazy thing for you. I'm about to die for you. But I love you. And I want you to know that. And Peter reacted and was appalled. He could not believe Jesus would do this. And he's saying, no, hey, you can't do that. That would be the normal reaction, wouldn't it? But here's the thing. Jesus knew he was, he was gonna do way more than wash their feet. He was gonna go to the cross. He was gonna be beaten and you know scored and just terribly treated and then die for them. But this was, a, this was a moment he wanted to create where they were together. And he could, one, for one last time, share a meal, tell them he loves them, you know, serve them, and teach them this is how we are supposed to live. These moments, this moment right here, right now, in this room, this is the important stuff. We have to learn how to take moments where where we share 
a meal, a long meal. Don't rush it, don't hurry it, don't pull out your phone. Tell each other you care for one another. You know, maybe you got a foot issue, maybe you don't wanna wash people's feet, that's cool. I get it. But be real, open up, be authentic. This is Jesus who, you know, really should be getting his feet washed is saying, no, I'm going to serve you. Let's take that disposition towards one another. That builds authentic relationship. That builds closeness. That builds community. Is when we will, it doesn't have to be with everybody, but when we will make sure we go that extra mile to tell somebody in a practical way and with our words that we love them that we care for them that your life matters you're not alone because we all need that desperately we need to take moments where we stop tap on the brake doesn't mean you stop everything in your life build rhythms into your life quiet times small groups church services, family gatherings. Don't just go right by those. Make them valuable, make them important, make them moments that you treasure and you you hold on to and you teach that to those around you. Because we can get so hurried and do all the right things, but never connect, never really have that intimacy with Jesus and have that strength of relationships where, relationship with God where, as we read the Psalms earlier, that he fills us and it overflows. We have to put these rhythms in our life and value them. Eliminate the extreme hurriedness. Create good family rhythms. Put margin in our lives. Be intentional, intentional of how we speak to one another. Because encouragement will go a long way. Being real and authentic will go a long way in somebody's life. If we could be a people who felt valued, who didn't feel anxious, and who knew we were loved and known, Wow, how would we honor and glorify God, right? I'm gonna ask you to stand and again, create another awkward moment. It's not that awkward, you can handle it. Either put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you or grab their hand. We are all interconnected. The Spirit of God lives in all of us. The air we breathe, we pass along to one another. Our lives connect in so many ways, honestly. There's, there's differences about us, but we have more in common than we have different. God created us so that we'd be in relationship. God created us so we would have unity. God created us so that we would be known and we would know. So I want to just read this psalm and um, just the first three verses and take a breath and just 
allow God to minister to you and feel connected to one another. Thank you, Jesus. We're not in a hurry. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Lord, I pray that even in our busyness, especially during this season, God, that you would lead us beside quiet waters. God, that you would refresh our souls. Lord, you would stir up things maybe that have gone dormant in our lives. You'd stir those things up. Lord, those passions and, and those desires that we've had for a close relationship with you and one another. Lord, that you would come in the midst of our relationships. Lord, we pray that you would guide us along paths of righteousness for your namesake, God. God, that in us, Lord, you would remind us and Lord, stir our, our spirits and remind us that we are loved, we are known. And God, that as we find pleasure in you and satisfaction in you, God, that that would overflow into our relationships and that you would be glorified in who we are. God, that you'd be glorified in our lives, that you would be high and lifted up just by us being in you. In Jesus' name, amen.